Welcome to the Son of a Preacher podcast. Please sit back and listen to the thoughts and musings from sermons that were first brought to the pulpit four, five, even six decades ago. I am GW, and I am the Son of a Preacher. so happy to be talking to you all again today. Dad brought this message to the pulpit April 23, 1967. He's talking from Matthew, the fifth chapter, the 45th verse, which said, And ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. At least that thought is the basis for this podcast today. Message from April 23, 1967. But as I looked at that, I was struck by the fact that he had really used several verses in Matthew, and they were really all about the same thing. For instance, in the 39th verse, he talks about turning the other cheek. And in the 44th verse, he talks about love your enemies and do good to those who hurt you. And then in the 45th verse, he goes, he talks about the sun rising on good and evil. So turning the other cheek. For those of you who have been listening to this podcast for a while, this episode is really going to be a bit different. Yep, definitely divergent from the path that I normally take on these podcasts. I'm going to be talking today, mostly off the cuff, mostly from inside my own head, as empty as that might be. But I think that as we look at all the instances and controversial things that we have going on in the world today, and we look at this particular chapter in Matthew on how to love your enemies Do good for those that hurt you. Turn the other cheek. Know the sun shines both on people that you think are good and people that you think are bad. So what should we take from that? Well, as I look out at the political landscape in the USA and the world, well, that political landscape is really pretty scary. And at best, predictably contrarian and at worst, completely off the rails of civility and commonly accepted practice that we have abided by for so long. And you don't have to go far into the news to know that this is not going to go away, at least not by someone in a position of power in the government making a move or doing something to or for someone else. This is a problem that we have in the country and the world that is deeply, deeply embedded. In our country, our actions are going to cause such large problems for the world And I would be more than happy to talk about how Russia and Ukraine are the biggest factors that that we need to be dealing with. Absolutely, at this moment, they are very important to the world. But as hard as it is for me to say this, I truly believe that for the sake of the entire world, I truly believe that the next six months is going to be pivotal on just how this world survives over the next 20 to 50 years. Really a pretty critical time right now for the United States. I think we all need to pray for our country. I think we need to pray for our leaders and pray for them to lead us wisely and with the best interests of the U.S. in in their hearts. Now, Ukraine and Russia are really important to the world. And even if the politics make Russia an untrustworthy alliance, The gas that Russia has and the nuclear power plant that Ukraine has, has in addition to Ukraine being the breadbasket for most of Europe and and other parts of the world, make them valuable. Saudi Arabia's oil is crucial, and there's many more strategic allies for the world that need to continue to do what they do 
for the good of the world. But in my mind, the most critical thing going on in the world today is the fact, and I do believe that this is a fact, that inside the United States, the Democrats and the Republicans refuse, and I mean absolutely refuse, to work together. Now, it appears that the Republicans may be a little more hard-headed about that refusal than the Democrats, but neither party seems to want to go out of their way to work with the other party. And I'm sure, having said that, that half of the Republicans listening to this have now turned it off, because obviously I'm an idiot. But the Democrats, well, they've been just as obstinate. They can argue that they're trying to keep things moving, but there's not much compromise that is even being attempted, at least no compromise you can see. When you look at the different things that are happening, for instance, when you look at the January 6th committee and the reception that it gets, now these efforts were well received by Democrats, and great disagreement came from the Republicans. There doesn't seem to be any effort by the Republicans to try to find out what happened at the Capitol. But just watching the news at the time, it was going on. Well, that tells me that this had, if this had happened in some third world country, we would be expecting rioting in the streets for the next year or so in that country. Now, I don't understand why some people in Congress and around the country don't want to see a fair, unbiased report of what happened. And then you have the bill recently passed by the Democrats and signed by the president with almost no support from the Republicans. But we'll have a starting point, at least, for climate control, for the rebuilding of the infrastructure in the country, for the control of prescription prices in the country, with tax levies being put on the largest companies in the country. All things which, when the Republicans were in power, they would have been absolutely in favor of. But now they don't even think about it. They just vote as a block to say no to anything. Now, is that is that what we elected these officials to do? Just vote like robots? So what do we have? We have a former president who may, and have I emphasized the word may enough? He may have violated the Espionage Act. An unbelievable thing to say out loud about an ex-president. Now, from my own personal experience in the military and working with the government, I know it's an unbelievable thing to say about any truly patriotic American citizen. And it is unreasonable to want the leader of our country and all the past leaders of our countries to be a patriotic American? Doesn't seem unreasonable to me. I wonder how many people, when they think back to presidents who have had a great impact on the country and on the world, and I believe you really can't argue that President Reagan was a president that had a great impact to the world and to the U.S. Now, when he was elected to office, he was thought to be a bit of a lightweight because he was just an actor from California, and in all honesty, not that good an actor either. But when you look at what he accomplished with the taking down of the Berlin Wall and the economic activities that were the central theme to his conservative politics, all the legislation he got passed on his watch that set the table for the U.S. for decades, well, they were passed in an environment that was not an environment of total control by the Republicans. But Reagan, well, Reagan had a relationship with the Democratic Speaker of the House, Tip O'Neill, and this relationship allowed these successes to happen. Most of the legislature that is credited to Reagan as this great communicator, this great president, 
could not have occurred without Reagan and O'Neill working together in a compromise-type environment. Working together to find the best answer for the people of the United States, not just their party. And they succeeded. They had a true compromise. Neither side was ever totally happy with what they got. Both sides had something good, though, that they could say, look what we did by working together. And the end result ended up being pretty impressive. And Reagan's legacy is firmly entrenched in the history of the United States. So what am I trying to say here today? Am I trying to say that there's only one answer out there and it's the one that I think is right? Or am I trying to say how can we make it so the politicians that we are so dependent on for what we have to have in this country are ones who have the best interests of their people in their hearts and minds? How can we make it so that they understand it is okay to work together and they work for the good of all the people in the United States? Not just the people who totally agree with what they want, but all the people in the United States. Is that so hard? I don't think it is. I think that if we elect people who understand the only way the country as a whole wins is when everyone can look at a policy and say, I understand. I understand why this is good for the vast majority of us. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to win. Sometimes, a person or a group of persons have to take one on the chin. But that doesn't mean that just because they are a Democrat or Republican, that he or she is the one that has to take it on the chin every time. It doesn't mean that we can have a democracy like this great experiment that we have that's still ongoing after 220 plus years, unless our leaders understand that compromise is the way to ensure the greatest number of Americans come out ahead. But still today, it is under attack from people who would rather have a powerful leader who disregards what's best for the people, a leader who seems to only think about what's best for a very small group of individuals, and in most cases, apparently only himself. Now, I don't know how all this is going to end up in a few months from now after the midterm elections. And I don't know how all this is going to end up in two years when we have a new election for the presidency. But I do know the Lord gave us some instructions in the Bible. First, he said in Matthew 5th chapter, 39th verse, that you should turn the other cheek. And in Matthew, the 44th verse, he says, love your enemies, do good to those that hurt you. And then in Matthew, the 45th verse, he said, the sun shines on good and evil. He didn't say the sun shines only on you, and it doesn't on people who think differently than you. He didn't say do good to only your friends, and he didn't say that I have the absolute right, no matter what is done to your cheek, to slap you right back. So I say again, I think we all need to pray for our country. I think we need to pray for our leaders. The whole bottom line of what I'm trying to say is in those words. I don't think any one group has all the answers. I think that the answers are found only when we have an open and receptive conversation. When we have that, then and only then are we going to be able to work together in a way that we can ensure this country survives and we can ensure that the freedoms that we enjoy are still there for our grandchildren. Because right now, I mean, right now, as I look at what's going on in this country, I don't think I can honestly say that my grandchildren will grow up in a free United States. 
So pray for our country. Pray for our leaders. Thank you for listening to this today. May the Lord bless you, keep you in peace. I do want to ask everyone listening to this today to help spread the word about this podcast. Help me continue to keep my father's work for the Lord alive. Please tell your friends and your church groups about this podcast. Share it on social media. Let people know that these inspirations are available. There's a new book available on Amazon titled Throwing Ink. It was a compilation of inspiration based on Dad's work. It was written by me, G.W. Stark.